Our text for meditation this first Sunday in Lent is on our epistle reading, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Hear the word of our Lord. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Abraham, the great patriarch of faith, is called the friend of God. And this must be an important thing about him because the Bible mentions his friendship with God three times in three separate books. Now imagine what that must be like, to be a friend of our Lord. What does that even mean? How does one go about being God's friend? A friend is someone who you might call a companion, a confidant, an associate. Abraham is seen listening to God. God is seen confiding in Abraham what will happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. And both of them spend time together without the great patriarch being constantly paralyzed in terror. Of course, Abraham still worshipped God feared him, revered him, and intimately understood that he was speaking with the sovereign king of the entire universe. As God confided in the patriarch and spoke to him with a mind-boggling friendliness, Abraham never once teased God, tested him, or treated him lightly. Yet the scripture does not refer to Abraham as the prostrating worm of God, nor of the fearful devotee of God, but as the friend of God. The recognized hierarchy did not prevent the deep bond that the Father of Faith had with our Heavenly Father. The author of Hebrews invites us to do what Abraham did, telling us to, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. St. James adds in his epistle, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Our Lord Jesus invites us to dine with him, if only we should open the doors of our hearts and accept the friendship he has to offer. You and I are instructed in no uncertain terms that we must actively pursue a relationship with our God, especially a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes, we go to the throne of grace in time of need, but we go boldly on account of this relationship. We are children of Abraham if we share his faith, and his faith is one of friendship. Beloved, do you do this with all your heart? I'll tell you right now that most of the church does not. There is a teeming mass of baptized believers 
who do not realize their rebellion here. The rosary that papists pray has more prayers to Mary in it than to our Lord Jesus. The Eastern churches teach something called hesychasm, where their wizened monks pray the Jesus prayer incessantly, but without much intention of the heart behind it. Truth be told, it seems to me that they are praying at Jesus more than to Jesus. Our evangelical friends talk about a relationship with God, but much of what I hear from them is about emotions rather than what Abraham had. Both they and the charismatics evaluate this by their feelings and experiences. Now, Lutherans are not off the hook on this one either. We are so scared of looking or sounding like evangelicals and Baptists that we often narrowly define relationship out of existence. Uh, to draw near to Christ is to read your Bible and go to the sacrament, a Lutheran might say, not realizing that he relegates our friendship with Jesus roughly to the same level as the prosperity gospel that the televangelists preach. And I mean this. If you only see Jesus as some sort of vending machine that dispenses forgiveness every Sunday, ignored for the other six days of the week, or lip service being paid with a few prayers, but then you go back to your thing, you are no different than the health and wealth people who see Christ as nothing more than a lottery ticket. How pitiful is the state of the church. How callous have we become. Shamefully, we forget that Jesus Christ is a person. He has a personality which we take for granted. He has emotions, thoughts, interests, relationships, and presumably one of these relationships is with you. The real Jesus is not just some distant king that you obey but otherwise ignore. He is not some divine computer program, input repentance, output mercy, input faith, output salvation. Yet so many busy Christians would prefer him to be this way. Because we are choked by the thorns of life, the cares of the world. We pay attention to Jesus until we can discard him and go right back to our daily lives. Face it, we are bad friends. Maybe we are good devotees. Perhaps we are fearful and faithful kind of Christians. Slaves even in our desire to obey. But we are terrible friends. A friend is a confidant. How well do we listen to Christ or care what he thinks about various things? A friend is a companion. How much time do we spend with our Savior? Friendship entails affection, enjoying being in one's presence, beloved. Do you enjoy time spent with our Savior? If the answer to these brings us shame, then we can scarce say that we love Jesus. 
half of us at least make up a cardboard Christ that doesn't demand this kind of relationship so that we can fit him into a one-dimensional spot in our minds. The wooden, angry, returning king Christ. The sickly, sweet, syrupy boyfriend Jesus. The ephemeral fog cloud metaphysical messiah. Or even the glittering poofball tolerant socialist Jesus. And none of these people stops to think of him as anything different because they never try to get to know him. They have remade Christ according to the image of their desires and they are terrified of finding out who he really is lest that mental image be taken over by the real deal. O oh, Christian, do you not realize that Jesus is already your friend? He spends time with you. He values your thoughts and experiences. He takes you into account and never forgets you. Our reading today sets Christ above all other priests for this fact. The high priests of the Mosaic Law had to contend with their own sin and their busy schedules, making them unable to sympathize with the Israelites that came to them for sacrifices. They, and indeed all pastors today, could not possibly relate to every man, woman, and child that they interact with. But Jesus, our sinless high priest is actually able to feel what we feel. And not only is he able, he actively does. What sort of man cares so much about you that he dies for you? One that loves you. What sort of high priest takes pains to intercede for you even after having died for you? Well, one that is faithful to you. What kind of savior goes about sympathizing with you even after all that you have done to sin against him? I would call that man the best friend you could possibly have. We fail to seek God, but Jesus never fails to reveal himself to us. We might seek Christ, but fail to treat him with proper reverence. But Jesus never fails to be worth revering. And while we go about being choked by the weeds, ever full of the cares of the world, our high priest sees what we are going through and intercedes for us. Such is the love of Christ that he does not call his disciples slaves anymore, but friends bringing their concerns to the Father and even laying down his life for them. When he is called prophet, priest, and king, none of these things are to smack us over the head with his exalted position, but to show his care and affection for us. St. James says, draw near to God. When he is already indeed drawn near, we are told to come boldly to the throne of grace when the one who sits upon it has already confidently come to us.
having decided to be this prophet, priest, king, savior, God, and friend to you, Jesus Christ invites you today to be a disciple, a penitent, a subject, a believer, a supplicant, and a friend. We know what those first matters entail, for we must never forget that he is above us and all creation. Before Abraham was the friend of God, he learned to trust and obey. We too must pray, study the word, repent of our sins, confess our iniquities, receive the sacrament, trust in Christ for our salvation, and seek to follow his commands. We learn these things reading the small catechism, and properly treating Jesus as our God and Savior consists of them. But of friendship, what shall we do? If it does not consist of worship alone, which should never be forgotten, what does it look like? Beloved, I would start with time. Time spent in prayer and spent in the Word is essential, but not like the normal time you spend in prayer and study. Instead, try remembering that you are in the presence of our Savior, and every word of His that you read will help you understand what He is like, who He is. Every time you pour out your heart to Him in prayer, recognize that He listens. Spend time letting Christ be the center of your world, and you will begin to express that friendship with him. This is not advocating for some cheap mysticism, by the way. The mystics rely on some experience or feeling to determine their spiritual ascension. And scripture never tells us that we must be mystics. To the contrary, we spurn enthusiasm and its attempts to find God where God has not promised to be. Instead, we want to actively spend time where he has promised to be, and in this case, putting the focus on recognizing that it is time spent with Christ, that's a great start. Yet more, and my time is limited, so I shall end with this. Love your neighbor especially your fellow Christians. God uses these people as masks, and when you love them, you love God. Care for those in need while seeing that Christ himself dwells with them. When you do, ask Jesus what he is showing you when you help that old lady move her furniture or give food to the couple with the new baby. In doing so, you spend yet more time getting to know him through this kind of care. Beloved, there is more, so much more to all of this, and we shall spend all of Lent discussing Christ, his person and work, exclusively. Yet I will be so bold as to say we must wait, until next Sunday anyway, just as we patiently await his return, where we shall see the greatest act of friendship done for us that the world has ever known. Now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.